Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to another episode of What in the Wellness. As always, I love to hear your feedback, suggestions for new topics, questions that you would like answered, maybe even a guest that you would like to have on, or maybe you'd like to be the guest yourself. Either way, I'd love to hear from you. Please feel free to reach me by email or message. Uh, You guys know where to do that. Now, let's get started for today's episode. In this episode, I am so honored and privileged and so excited to be able to interview Dr. J. Um, She is an amazing, amazing woman, amazing entrepreneur, amazing practitioner, and um, in this discussion, we just we just go over everything that, that we can possibly cover, uh, talking about pelvic floor health, what that looks like, what that means. And um, honestly, she's just absolutely incredible. I can't wait for you to dive into this interview. So go ahead and grab a notebook, grab some tea, grab your headphones, whatever it is you need to do to just take some time and focus. Um, but this is absolutely an amazing amazing discussion and I can't wait to dive in. So let's go ahead and get started. Hi, welcome back to another episode of What in the Wellness, a global perspective on integrative health. I'm Ansley Knopf and today I'm so excited because today I have with me Dr. Jawan Michelle Martin and she has a beautiful long name, um, but more importantly, She's a beautiful, wonderful person with a wonderful practice as a pelvic floor physiotherapist. And I'm going to let you tell the audience all about yourself today because you know yourself and your practice and you're super passionate about your work. And I would just love for everybody to hear about that from you. So go ahead and take it away. And thank you so much for being here today. Well, first of all, thank you so, so much for having me. It's always a pleasure chatting with you. I'm Dr. Joanne Michelle Martin. I go by Dr. J and I'm a pelvic floor physical therapist um, practicing in person in the state of Georgia. I'm also licensed in New York and Florida. So I do see um, virtual clients in those regions. Um, and I pretty much um, handle and see patients with comprehensive pelvic floor needs. So, you know, I have a friend of mine and I, we like to joke, we deal with the six P's, pee, poop, pain, and sex, uh, preconception, pregnancy, and postpartum, and anybody in between. (laughs) So we're kind of along that spectrum of anything that happens in and around the pelvis, between the belly button and the knees. Um, We, as pelvic floor therapists, are typically going to be, you know, the go-to musculoskeletal experts with regards to that. Um, A lot of my population is, um, are individuals with chronic pelvic pain. So I do see a lot of individuals there, um, you know, with those who are coming in because they've just had lingering pain, um, you know, for long periods of time. Um, They're having issues with sexual function, whether it's men or women. Um, I also have a pretty large portion of my population that is pregnant or postpartum. And so I see them. I'm also a birth doula. So I'm I'm very uh, much in the birthing space um, and love to help women navigate that, you know, especially first time moms are nervous. They're like, I don't know what the heck is going on. And then we have COVID um, and many hospitals are not allowing doulas to be there. So I offer a lot of education for those mamas, um, getting them prepared, getting their partners prepared um, so that they too are comfortable um, as they go into the delivery room um, and, and meet that beautiful baby. So it's, it's really fun. I've been doing, I've been practicing as a clinician for about 13 years. Um, 
was primarily doing a mix of orthopedics, pediatrics, and women's health, um, and working heavily, more heavily um, with an athletic population. I was a former international volleyball player and you know, played in college and sports is my thing. I still coach, I love it, I love my kids. Um, and so sports has always been a passion for me. So even within my practice now, I still see the athletes, I see those moms who are very athletic, I see those CrossFitters, those runners, um, you know, who are like, yep, this is my jam, I wanna do it, I wanna be able to continue doing it and doing it well. And so it's really, really enjoyable to have them as well. That's amazing. That is so much history in such a short amount of time. You can tell you're really skilled at these interviews and podcasts because you're like, all right, my bio, I got it. Start to finish. Here we go. 13 years. <laughs> this is my history. You just casually tossed in there. I used to be an international volleyball player. Like it's no big deal. Um, <laughs> I love it. That was, <laughs> that was amazing. There's so much. We could just talk about that and like what your practice has been, what brought you to working more specifically within the pelvic floor physio world land universe that it is. Um, and, and all of that, but I have so many burning questions and it is my birthday month. So we're doing a series on supporting women from trying to conceive and all the way through postpartum. So obviously we have some questions regarding pelvic floor and that, um, but for those people listening, I think everyone listening to the series potentially has heard the words pelvic floor um, or healthy pelvic floor or pelvic floor health. These are all things that, especially when we start talking about women's health and pregnancy and postpartum, they start, those terms start coming up a lot. But there's also people that maybe even are listening to this that have never heard about this. What in the world is the pelvic floor and what does a healthy pelvic floor even mean? I put that in like air quotes for those of you that are listening, you can't really see me, um, which is honestly, even that's almost a loaded question. So I guess I'll say overview because you could probably teach several workshops on what is pelvic floor, but I guess for, for our sake today, like a kind of like an overview for that. Yeah. I mean, it's, gosh, it's, it's a really, really big topic. And then, and, and there's so many different ways that you can go into it, especially when you talk about the sub niches of working with pelvic floor clients, you know, men, women, children, um, you know, pregnancy, postpartum, sexual function, all these different things. Um, but really what the pelvic floor is, it's a group of muscles, um, kind of like how you have the rotator cuff and the rotator cuff is, you know, the group of muscles that support and stabilize the shoulder. Um, the pelvic floor is a group of muscles that they, they serve quite a few functions in, 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 within the pelvis and within the pelvic region. We've got support of the pelvic organs, which would be the bladder, the uterus in women, um, and the rectum, bowels and rectum. Um, we have stability as they stabilize the pelvis so that you can move. So you can move your trunk, so you can move your hips, your lower extremities. Um, we've got sexual function with that first layer of the pelvic floor muscle being highly involved in sexual appreciation. Um, we've got sphincteric control, and the sphincters are that kind of middle layer of muscles that allows you to be able to control your pee and your poop, you know? So if, if you want to go to the bathroom, you know, you can consciously do so in individuals who have sphincteric issues, they don't have that control. Um, and so that's what keeps, as we say, pee and poop off the floor. Um, and then the pelvic floor muscles also play a role in circulation and in kind of acting like a sump pump to kind of to, to kind of keep things moving in there. But 
I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that in addition to the muscles, when we look at the pelvis itself, because everyone talks about the pelvic floor, mm -hmm. as a musculoskeletal physical therapist, we also look at, we're looking at everything. So we're looking at the bony structures, we're looking at the joints, we're looking at the ligamentous um, attachments, we're looking at all the muscle attachments, we're looking at the neurology of the area, and then we're looking at all that connective tissue because you know, that connective tissue plays such a huge role in assisting um, with the support because right above the pelvic organs sits the intestines. Um, and I mean, like they're just kind of hanging out right above there. <laughs> so, you know, and there's a lot of connective tissue. There's a whole lot happening. There's a lot of innervation or a lot of nerves um, that are very active within the pelvic bowl, if we kind of think of it um, as that. And so there's, you know, when we think about pelvic floor, most people are thinking, oh, well, I only go to a pelvic floor therapist if I'm leaking, because that's what most women hear. Or I only go to a pelvic floor therapist if, you know, I had a really traumatic birth and, and even sometimes, you know, they're not even seeing one um, even with that. But really, when we, we look at pelvic floor and how pelvic floor therapy is very integral, we're looking at bowel and bladder function. So the bowel and, and the function therein, the bladder, and the bladder is made up of smooth, smooth muscle. So we're looking at how they're functioning. We're looking at, you know, are you able to go when you need to go? Is there a hesitancy? Is there a restriction from you going? Um, and do you have control? We're looking at sexual function. We're looking at sensory function. You know, even outside of those things, can you feel when your bladder is full, when your bowels are full, can you feel touch? You know, does it feel normal? Are you overly sensitive to touch? Maybe now you're putting on your clothing and, you know, you're irritated. There are a lot of women out there who, are ha who have vulvar issues and they can't put on a pair of pants, you know, because it's highly irritated. Um, they can't, they have to wear skirts. Maybe they have to go without underwear because it, it's so irritated. Um, so we're looking at sensation, you know, either you're having too much or you're having no sensation at all, or you're having some sort of altered sensation. Um, are you having pain in and around the region? This is really important because pain is our body's signal of telling us that there's something wrong, there's something going on. And it may not just be pain relegated to, you know, the vaginal opening. Maybe you have, you're having clitoral pain. Maybe you're having pain at the vulva, which is kind of, you know, the, the, area that's given to everything pretty much from the pubic bone to the anus. Um, you're having pain there. Maybe you're having anal pain. Maybe you're having pain attempting to go to the bathroom, whether it's for pee or poop. Maybe you're having abdominal pain. Um, and people kind of don't think of that because sometimes with bladder issues, we women tend to get, or people in general will tend to have pain right above the pubic bone, which is really essentially just the lower abdomen. Mm -hmm. um, and depending on the severity, you know, some people may not be able to distinguish, is my stomach hurting or is that my bladder? Like what is happening? Uh, and then we get into individuals with conditions such as endometriosis, which, which is more of a, a visceral problem in that it's not only the, it's not only the pelvic floor muscles that we're having to deal with, although they tend to be overly irritated and active, but what's happening is that we're also dealing with the connective tissue. There is a huge inflammatory response. So now what's happening with those tissues? What's happening 
you know, these women are having pain, the system is upregulated. So now we get into talking now about the nervous system again, because we, you know, we know that there are a lot of nerves in there. So there's really, it's really a very busy area. Um, and so when we talk about good pelvic health, we want to make sure that a we don't have any abnormal and when we say abnormal um, no red flags we're not having any any abnormal sensations we're not having anything that would make us think hmm this needs a further look you know you're able to go to the bathroom when you need to you're not having any issues doing so you're not constipated you don't you don't have to strain to pee or to poop you know you're having normal sexual function um, when you choose to um, things of that sort, you're able to have a, a normal pregnancy. Um, when we talk about the pregnant and the postpartum woman, and, and even women who are trying to conceive, oftentimes I will recommend pelvic floor physical therapy for them as well, because we have to look at their history. Why is it, you know, are there issues? There are a lot of women who may have issues with fibroids. And so now they have fibroidectomies. And every time you have a surgery, there is a potential for scar tissue. So when we start talking about that now, we start talking about how that affects the tissues in and around the abdomen. Mm -hmm. Because now they have to cut through all these layers of tissue. Um, when we talk about you know, any other type of surgeries that women might have, we start to get a better sense of, you know, it's not just this one thing in isolation, but we really have to pay close attention to how is the body reacting on a whole? Um, and then what can we do to make that better? What can we do to improve that? So there's a whole lot going on in there. <laughs> that is so it's, I love that you covered all that so comprehensively, though, because before we started recording, that was one thing I mentioned, I was like, make sure you talk about all of it, because it's so important. Um, and so it's like, that's um from a from a like more integrative wellness like women's coach fitness coach um specializing with pre and postnatal obviously there's a a scope of pelvic floor that we talk about we educate we introduce and then i almost immediately try to get somebody to a physiotherapist that specializes in pelvic floor because like you said there's so much more than just those muscles i mean that's a great starting place to even start talking about pelvic floor but there's a whole lot going on and they serve so many more important functions and that's something even in that discussion to move to know those other questions to ask to know what those red flags are to look for because it does it's not regulated to just oh i don't leak when i do running or jumping jacks like they're the pelvic floor muscles and the pelvic floor and the pelvic area is just it's so complex there's so much going on down there um eventually i'll ask other questions too about like the intestines and the gut being so close to the pelvic floor region and gut health and pelvic and pelvic health as well and those relations but that's probably another episode oh that's a very very close relationship right there as well <laughs> I'm like, let's there's talk a reason about why all there's a reason why all those women with endometriosis end up with SIBO, and there's a reason why we've got a lot of people who have um, abnormal bowel function that have gut issues. You know, it's like which comes first, the chicken or the egg. But either way, we know that there's a close involvement of the pelvic floor muscles, and and as a result of the function of those organs. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then for those of you who are thinking about, um, she's mentioned obviously trying to conceive fibroids, endometriosis, being pregnant, being postpartum. Um, 
there's something we didn't, obviously we didn't get too nuanced into that, what that looks like with um, traumatic births, deliveries, um, what pelvic function looks like um, after something in that's an intervention like a C-section um, versus a vaginal birth. All of these things are nuanced topics. We could get super into all of those. Um, and she's an amazing person to talk to. And I'm just gonna quick plug for her. We're not gonna be able to cover all that today. I am gonna attempt to bring her back. I will persuade her with some, um, some matcha probably because she doesn't actually isn't drinking coffee right now, or I would say coffee. Um, but <laughs> but she has her own podcast, you guys, and she's also been interviewed on several as well. So um, make sure that when you're looking at the show notes, you go and search and follow her because she talks about a lot of these topics and a whole lot more in more depth on those episodes. Um, so just quick plug for her, really quick. <laughs> um, okay, so. Um, we've talked a lot about how basically pelvic health is incredibly important for basically the entire population. I think under all of your six P's, the largest P is population, just people in general. Um, mm -hmm. How do you know, and you talked about when there's red flags, when you should see a, a physio, and you mentioned um, that you do some of that work virtually. How does that work? What can you do virtually? Obviously, we're in the time of COVID, but you were doing virtual PT even before COVID. So what does that look like? So with, with regards to virtual physical therapy, the most important part of any, any consultation is going to be that initial portion where you are getting to know that client. It's going to be that history taking, um, because that's where a lot of the, that's where the bulk of everything is. And that's where the bulk of the solution is as well. Um, and so the, the main, the, the, primary thing I'm looking for whenever I'm doing a virtual consultation is, is this person truly appropriate to continue being seen virtually? Mm. Because the reality is not everybody is going to be able to. Um, there are some people that based on history um, may need a little bit more, that based on symptomology may need a little bit more. Uh, furthermore, they may need to be referred elsewhere. There are a lot of people who come to me because we as physical therapists have direct access, so you don't need a, a prescription to come see me. But that being said, there are a lot of people who will contact me, who will see me, and really their first stop needed to be a gynecological specialist, a GYN, a urogynecologist, uh, maybe even a, a, you know, a GI specialist or whatever have you. But based on that initial um, consultation, we're able to determine that. If there are no red flags, if there is nothing of notable worth that you know is going to be alarming, then we can continue. <clears throat> we can continue to work together virtually. The reality is, is that there are a lot of people that don't have access to care, and one of the reasons why I started doing virtual in the first place about six or seven years ago is to allow for people to have that flexibility, that convenience, and that access. There are a lot of people, I have women sometimes that are calling me from three hours away in the state of Georgia. I have people in New York. I have people in Florida. Uh, I've seen clients outside of the country who don't have access to someone in their area. And so I think it's very, very important that we recognize that. Um, and then in, in treating these individuals, it's looking at, again, their story. What is their story? You know, what is the timeline? Because it's, it's one thing to say I have pain and I hurt here. It's a different thing to say I've had this consistent pain in this area for six months. Now we're moving into the realm of chronic pain. It's also different to say 
I've had this consistent pain, which was the result of X event, whether it was a surgery, whether it was trauma, whether it was whatever, or I've noticed this pain um, in the last two years, it's gotten progressively worse, um, but that was maybe around about the time that I started taking birth, or a few years after I started taking birth control. So timeline is super important for us. And we're looking at, you know, what is, what is happening and things that sometimes to the, the, the patient may not seem important are super important for me. I mean, I'm getting all in your business. I want to know, you know, I see people for issues with sexual function. I want to know what position are you doing it? And what are you doing? And what does that look like for you? Because that tells me a lot. And it's not to make people feel uncomfortable because again, oftentimes people may not think that certain things are relevant, but when we look at the issue that's happening and we're looking at function, what is your normal day-to-day -day function? What, what is it that you do? What is it that A, you do? What is it that you would like to do? What is this stopping you from doing? It's giving me a better and more vivid picture of what's happening. And then where we need to go. So once we get through that, I'll have them do um, some movement. I still go through a movement screen. I still want to look at how they move. And when I'm looking at how they move, it's like, A, can you move? B, does it look normal? C, does it hurt, right? Or is it abnormal movement, right? Because you could, everybody can, I can say, hey, bend, bend forward and touch your toes. But if I have somebody and they can barely even like get past their thighs has it always been like that you know is that something new is that something normal but this person let's say perhaps is complaining of persistent back pain right then that's something that i need to know about um you know so we start looking at movement how are they moving how are they doing and then we get into um more sometimes i may have them do a self-assessment with very specific cues on what i want them to feel or assess or what I want them to look for. Um, and then we go from there with strategies, education. Obviously, I'm not there. I can't put my hands on it. But there are some self-teach, um, some self-manual techniques that I will teach individuals so that they can do certain things on their own. Um, you know, with great instruction, either I'll do, you know, show them there, send a video recording to them, even after I see them so that they have that and they're like, okay, I need to do it this way or whatnot. Um, but there is really a lot that can be done. A lot of the times, you know, most people with very simple issues, it's just a matter of education. It's just a matter of appropriate strategy and doing things differently. Um, and in doing things differently, being more mindful, being more cautious, then you'll find that, oh, wait, you know, that problem is easily addressed. It's, it's more in the more complex cases when we've got a few more things going on that it might be, you know, time to say, you know what, let's refer you out. Let's get you to someone who can put hands on you. Let's kind of see what, what else is going on here. Excellent. Thank you so much. It sounds like, I mean, from that, the that's really encouraging because I think that's a barrier, like you said, I mean, some, some women in particular, just because of the frame of what we're talking about with the series, um, that's a, that's a very, it's a barrier. It's a limiting factor. And it's not just that you have to know that you need to get that kind of assessment and help, but then you actually have to get there and to drive three, four, five plus hours away to get to somebody, uh, that's almost impossible for, for most people. Um, and I'd also say not not to not to cross you, but I'd also say 
that people enjoy the comfort of being in their own home and the privacy of their own home as well. Um, I had a very prominent uh, business person who was like, I'm not going to see, and there, there, you know, one, one of them had no one in her area. And mm -hmm. so she contacted me. Um, the next person had someone in her area, but she was like, I'm not going there because I am too known and I don't want anyone to see me going there because for her, it was like, you know, she didn't want anybody asking questions. She felt embarrassed. And she says, no, this is perfect. I'm in my home. I don't have to go anywhere. I'm comfortable. And really it's what I love about virtual sessions is you get to meet the patient where they're at. And that's, that's the most important thing when no matter what we do, the most important thing is meeting people where they're at. Mm, I love that. Thank you so much for adding that and sharing that. Cause that was actually going to be, um, one of my other things you, cause you've mentioned it several times. And as a, a trauma informed coach, I coach from a trauma informed perspective in working with women, um, and coming from levels of trauma is as a background and seeing different types of therapists, mental, physical, all of it. Um, it's really important to me to coach from that perspective and to make sure that that's included in just my practice and how I work with women and the people that I refer them out to work with are also operating from a trauma-informed perspective. Um, obviously, there's multiple way, you know, things that you might be concerned about when you're considering going to work in person, but I know working with some women recently and just having conversations, they know that they need to see a physical ther a physiotherapist for this, but that um, I think somebody referred to it as I've lost my gumption. Um, and I was like, wow, it's just something, um, it's because it's like, oh, there's a problem, there's a solution, just go get the solution. But there's so much more involved when it comes to any kind of help or therapy or treatment, but particularly when it's related to the pelvic region, there's just mm -hmm. so much that goes on down there um as you were talking about so i'm thank you for bringing that up and for addressing that because i think it's really important that people know that they have an option um mm -hmm. to at least get started to at least get that assessment that consultation and even if i would feel like at this point everyone should just book a, a consultation like just book it and then she can tell you if you if, like virtual is appropriate for you or at least maybe give you some guidance in the next step that you might want to take if it does need to be in person. Um, so removing some of that fear and anxiety around, is this normal? Is this okay? Should I be worried about it? Should I not? Just book the consultation. Um, and then you can do that from the comfort of your own home and you'll at least get some guidance into what's going on. So I'm, that's part of the reason I really, really, really asked Dr. Day to come on too, because not only is she just absolutely incredible, um, but she does offer that virtual PT and she's encouraging other practitioners to start developing that as well. Um, and I really appreciate her creating and holding that space for um, just everybody really, uh, not just women. Um, okay, so a couple extra questions I have for you in regards to the theme of this podcast week, um, week and month, um, what's the most common thing that's, wow, that's really a loaded question. What's one of the most common things that you see with postpartum women in particular, um, beyond the, I guess the, the most common, what the people think about, which is the leaking. Um, and then like, what's, is there some sort of best practice for women to know, like as a checklist or something like, because that's, that's primarily, I think, when people really start thinking about pelvic floor is post-baby, um, if they're not introduced to it at a different time in their life. Um, is there any kind of insight there that women should start be thinking about? Or if they're maybe expecting now, things that they can start 
working on to um, to encourage public floor health. I don't want to say treat anything because obviously you can't treat anybody over a podcast interview. Um, and then like hesitancy sometimes for me, even as a coach to say, being aware of this, here are some exercises that could benefit pelvic floor because there is such a thing as an overactive pelvic floor, which you mentioned as well. So best practices for, I guess, expecting women and then postpartum. That was, I think, three questions in one. So <laughs> best practices, go see a pelvic floor physical therapist. If you have anything in the belly button and the knees, go see a pelvic floor PT. As far as, um, I'll start with the, the postpartum women um, first. If you've had a baby, you should have at least a consultation with a postpartum um, physical therapist. When you have that is going to be, you know, dependent on what's going on. But I usually will tell women at least by the third month postpartum, go see somebody. Um, if you, I sometimes will see women as early as the second or third week. More often than not, though, these are women that have either endured a lot of trauma or women that I'm working with. Um, prenatally and I usually do a postpartum like a postpartum checkup because I want to make sure that they're doing okay we start with movement we start with education and I give them stuff to do until I see them probably three to four weeks later after their um, physician checkup is if you have had any type of trauma um, if you have had and by trauma that doesn't only mean that you've had a lot of stitches a lot of tearing but was your birth outcome what you wanted it to be? Because mm -hmm. we oftentimes look at outcomes as, oh, mommy was happy and healthy, baby was happy and healthy. You know, it was a vaginal delivery, so it was fine. It was fine for whom? And so we have to be mindful at the end of the day, it's not about us as clinicians, it's about that patient, it's about that individual. And so was that the desired outcome for them? And you'll find that when people are dealing with trauma, what tends to happen is there tends to be an almost um, immediate guarded response. It holds in the tissues. And mm -hmm. so you'll find that most people who are dealing with any type of trauma tend to be, as we like to say, their, their system tends to be more upregulated. They're guarding. Kind of think of if you hit your hand, if you hit your hand, you don't kind of just leave it hanging out there. You know, you draw it close to your body. Right. And so they, it's, it's a similar situation if you were highly stressed, right? Those tissues tend to be a little bit more tense. So those are women that I want to see because oftentimes uh, it's very telltale in how, you know, their recovery is, how they're moving, how they're doing. I think that that is extremely important. Um, if you've had a prolonged second stage of labor, so the second stage of labor is right when we get into that pushing phase, um, when you're dilated. Um, we're going into about eight to 10 um, centimeters, getting to be fully dilated and getting ready to push. Are we pushing for a long time? Is that happening over a long period of time? Was baby stuck? Was baby not turning? Was baby not moving? What is happening? And we really want to know what's going on there because that's super important. You know, there are women that'll tell you, I pushed for, you know, five hours. Well, like I tell most people, the average marathoner runs at about four and a half hours for a marathon. That's 26.2 miles. They are tired. The average individual who has never run a marathon should be running a 5K or three miles at about a 30 minute clip 
But there are some people who might walk a mile down the road and be like, I'm beat, I'm done. So imagine pushing for five hours, right? And when we kind of think of it that way, people are like, oh my God, yeah, that is a long time. That's a very long time. That's a lot of stress on your tissues, right? And so anytime you've had someone who's pushed for that length of time, they need to be seen. If they've torn, so if they've torn, if they've had... I still like to see women, as long as you've had a tear and you've had sutures, I want to see you. But especially when the, those tears extend pretty, pretty deep into the perineum and going towards the anus or through that anal, um, that anal sphincter, that, those are the ones I want to see. Those women with those grade four um, perineal tears are more likely to have things like fecal incontinence, um, which is also then going to impact self-esteem. So now they've got accidental loss of feces. Now it's impacting their self-esteem. They don't want to go anywhere. It's, it's a whole cascade of events. Um, if they're having pain with intercourse, you know, you've gotten the all clear, you go to try to have sex and you're like, honey, don't touch me. Don't ever do this again. I need to see you because sex should not be painful. So if you're having any, if you've had, if you're having um, persistent pelvic pain, hip pain, you, maybe you have some pubic symphysis separation, you SI joint pain, um, back pain, gr hip pain with the hip. And what I tell people, everybody thinks the hip is over to the side of the thigh. Your hip joint is actually where your groin is. That's where the joint sits. So if you're noticing pain in any of those areas and it's persisting well beyond that delivery and well be into that postpartum period, you need to go see a pelvic floor physical therapist because oftentimes those muscles in those areas, you don't think of the pelvis when you think of the hip, but guess what? That femur attaches into your, the bottom of your pelvis. Your lower back is consistent with the pelvis, right? It's, I mean, the sacrum is right there. Your lumbar spine is right there. So there's all these things in close proximity that we really need to have addressed. So if your tailbone is hurting you, you just had a baby, you know, that's the second leading cause of, of tailbone fractures is childbirth, you yeah. know, right after right, the number one being a fall. The second leading cause of, of a tailbone fracture is childbirth. So make sure that you get that checked out. If you're pregnant and you're having those aches and pains, the back pain, the SI joint pain, um, pubic symphysis dysfunction, any type of pelvic girdle pain, your round ligament pain you know, you can't walk from here to the front door because you feel like you can't breathe. You know, those are things that we address. Those are things that we can see you for and help you with because the reality is 10 months is a long time. You should not be miserable for 10 months. You just shouldn't. That's like, like that's like most people in 2020. It's been a long year and the year is not even over yet. And we've only been home for six months. I say only, but imagine pregnant women they're pregnant for like nine, 10 months. Gestation is 40 weeks. So when you think of that length of time, no one should be miserable for that length of time. So if you are pregnant and you're having these aches and pains, you definitely want to see someone. Mm. Did I cover all, all three questions? I don't yes, remember. Yes, all three questions. It was brilliant. You are a superwoman. Um, Wonder Woman, whichever you prefer. I mean, whichever, like you're just incredible. So thank you. Um, my gosh, I have a million more questions. Like every question you answer just leads me to more questions that I want you to answer and talk about. Um, so I will send all the matcha, like a whole big basket to make sure <laughs> back for more episodes. And I do love matcha. I know, <laughs> like you mentioned earlier, I was like, I got her now. Um, man, so many questions like related to 
so many different things. Um, but that is, that's like the infinite beauty of anything related to the human body, right? And you've got the whole pelvic region to work with. Um, it is infinitely complex and, and beautiful and has so many integral layers. Like it's just this integrated part. So if you take away nothing else from this episode other than book a consult um, and follow Dr. J, um, I think the thing I really want you guys to hear that she said so many times is integral and integrated and complex and all these different things. And complex doesn't mean scary. I, I love that because the human body is complex. But the thing about pelvic floor that she's illustrated so beautifully through this podcast interview is that as an integrated wellness coach, and you guys hear me say it over and over again, I can't separate one thing from another. So if you come to me and you're like, hey, I want to work on some exercises because I have low back pain, immediately in my mind, that's ticking to what's going on in your pelvic region. And I might recommend that you go see Dr. J or another pelvic floor physiotherapist because the body is integrated and there's so much going on. Um, and so I just want you guys to know that it's, if you want, if you're after mental health, if you're after whole body health and gut health, all these things, your pelvic health is in, integrally related to, to that as well. Um, and I am just really excited that you were here to cover that as comprehensively as you could in the span of, I think about 30 minutes. So obviously she's really good at what she does. Um, if people are looking for you because they will be after this, I'm sure. And they would like to know more about one of these topics in general, all the topics, or they'd like to go ahead and book that hemp consult with you. Um, where can they find you on social media and your website? And obviously I'll include that in the show notes as well for people. Absolutely. So I am all over. You find me all over. So if you, um, you can definitely go to my website, www.jmmhealthsolutions.com. There you can get a little bit more information. Um, I try not to make the website have too much stuff and we're going to revamp it here soon anyway. Um, but you can book your appointments there. Um, pretty much all the information that you need is there and, and that'll lead you to everything else. Um, I'm on YouTube, um, youtube.com slash JMM health solutions. And I've done a bunch of expert interviews and a bunch of other videos. So if you have questions with regards to anything from pregnancy to what is a doula, what is a midwife, um, talking about using dilators, CBD oil, um, for, you know, as a lubricant or for pelvic pain, um, all these different things, um, you can find that information on there. I'm on Facebook um, at JMM Health Solutions, um, and you can pretty much find a lot of that same information there as well. Um, and on Instagram at The Pelvic Perspective. Um, and go to IGTV, again, lots of videos there, some interviews, um, different topics. Um, we've, I've decided to start on Wednesday because we'd stop here for a while. I had some other projects going, but on Wednesdays, it'll be answer that question. And so if you've got questions or something you want to know, just let me know, shoot me a DM and we can get that question answered for you every Wednesday, um, in the afternoon on Instagram. Wow. That is, she is everywhere you guys. Um, and she has tons of information. So, and I'll put all of her links in the show notes. You guys can go and find her. Um, I'm holding myself back because I have so many questions and she's amazing to talk to. Um, but thank you so much for being here. She's got to get off and go save the world some more and help some more people. <laughs> um, and she's doing all of this while also obviously like a lot of you guys are 
um, schooling her kids at home right now as well. So I don't want to um, take up any more of her time today, even though I would love to just soak up uh, uh, more stuff for several more hours, but we'll bring her back. Um, Dr. J, thank you so much for offering so much insight, so much good advice, um, and just so much information for people regarding pelvic health. And I really appreciate you being here today. Can't wait to have you back. Any piece of actionable advice that you would like to leave with our listeners today, something that they can go and do right now regarding their pelvic health? If you haven't looked at yourself, go do that. I tell people that a lot. And they, that, you know, a lot of people, we're in Georgia, mm. a lot more people are conservative. But the reason why I say that is you don't know what normal is if you've never seen what normal was. You know, and oftentimes most people, the first time that they're seeing their vulva, they're seeing the, the vaginal opening is when there is a problem. Mm. And so some half of the time, even when problems are present, they have no clue. They don't know because they've never seen what normal was. Mm -hmm. And so I oftentimes tell people that, that that in and of itself is a good exercise the same way that you would do a breast exam or at least check, um, you know, you check your skin for any marks or, you know, anything that looks out of the ordinary, you would do a breast exam. Check your vulva, get to know what's happening down below because it's, that's just equally as important. Pay attention to, you know, what you feel, um, what you notice, because oftentimes, again, we brush things off. Um, and you definitely want to make sure that you are, you are staying in tuned and in touch with your body. Wow. I love that. Thank you so much. Um, you guys, she listed all of her places. Obviously, she has a lot of great resources there as well. I will check and see if she has a couple of outlines or downloads that she recommends, um, link those in the show notes as well. So you guys can get started with those solve exams. Um, and yeah, I'm just super excited. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for being with us, Dr. J. And I wish all of you much light and love, and we'll see you next time on What in the Wellness. All right. Hey guys, thanks so much for listening today. If you're interested in being a sponsor or a patron of this podcast to help us develop more resources and get more exciting things out into the world about the global perspective on integrative wellness and health, please feel free to reach out via email or message. And I look forward to seeing you and the new subscribers that you're going to bring uh, to the podcast as we go along on this journey. Thank you so much for being here and I wish you all the best and light and love as you continue throughout your day today.